Welcome back. You are listening to Tuned In with Intersys, hosted by Johnny Romero. This is episode number nine, Milestones of the Trade. Enjoy. What made you choose court interpreting versus, say, medical interpreting? Do you do both? Um, I'm just curious. Um, I don't do medical interpreting. Uh, I do work as a sworn translator as well. So I provide certified translations, and some of them have been med- medical in the, in the past. But with interpreting, I'm just keeping it uh, for now because, uh, yeah, it's all quite recent. I just uh, started that service um, doing the court interpreting. Well, basically, I think the um, biggest reason is that uh, I got influenced by my own dad <laughs> because he's been a court interpreter for over 30 years now. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, for a very long time. So I've like always been following him and his work and like, um, yeah, always been very close to his, his way of working. And I was very fascinated by how easily he could switch between the different languages and yeah, already as a child, I thought it was very impressive and I would like, like to see myself doing that job as well one day. And then when, um, when I had to apply for university, I, was, um, I couldn't really choose between uh, law and European studies. And in the end, I chose European studies, which I'm very happy about. But now that I finished this course on court interpreting, I found out that I found that I find like the legal system, criminal law, all those subjects like super interesting. So I was like, maybe I should have gone for law, but yeah, it's never too late. So sure. definitely my interest uh, in, the, in the legal system, legal terminology as well, it's very interesting. So I would say both my interest in law itself and the influence of my father, yeah. That's awesome. So keeping it in the family, another generation. Yeah, of yeah totally. <laughs> and I think, you know, talking a little bit about interpreting in general, mm-hmm. it, it's an art form, you know, yeah. and I think part of it's, you know, language, there's a reason they call language arts is because mm-hmm. there's a certain way of, like you said earlier, um, expressions, emotions, things that um, need to be articulated correctly mm-hmm. Uh, especially, you know, um, not just in legal and everything, but in a court, yeah. you know, you can imagine it's important that that gets transmitted. So yeah. can you tell me a little bit about what you like about uh, interpreting? And do you agree that there's an art form to it? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely an art form. And uh, I hate it most when people say, like, why do you need an interpreter? Like, I can uh, call my sister or anyone who speaks the language, and she can help me out. But um, I think that in order to become an interpreter, you, lead, you need a lot of effort, a lot of hard work and also talent, because I think it's a job that not everyone can do. Um, and, you know, you need to be ready, ready to suffer. Like for me, it took almost two years to finish this whole course. And as I said before, I had to do like four theoretical exams that were very hard as well. I had to study like all legal systems of all different countries and um, yeah, it took a lot of time, but it was interesting at the same time. So that kept, kept me motivated. Um, so yeah, I would say it's like also crucial when becoming, trying to become an interpreter to also work with a professional trainer. Like in this case, my dad helped me a lot, but 
It was in my case very hard to find study materials because when you're interpreting, you need to listen to someone and you need to interpret it. So whether it's the consecutive or the simultaneous one, you need to have someone who speaks and understands the language and maybe improves you. Um, and it was very hard in my case. So um, yeah, definitely I would advise someone to get a coach or a trainer, someone who works with that non-native language. That's good. Yeah. Good, good advice. I think that's a great suggestion. And, and you need the experience and the practice of mm -hmm. listening and yes. being heard too, because you may think yeah. you sound great. And then all of a sudden you hear it back and it's like, oh, wow, I had no idea yeah. that I had those yeah. kind of little ticks or whatnot. Um, so it's helpful to have that feedback from, yes, from other so native good. speakers. So Could you uh, maybe share some of the milestones that you, you kind of touched on it already, but mm -hmm. um, that you've accomplished to get to where you're at today. You know, you you mentioned some good suggestions, but um, what was the trajectory of your progress? Obviously, your father was a big influence. That that's a a great asset. Um, but throughout your growth and your progression, were were some key moments that you identified that helped you get to where you're at today. Mm -hmm. Sure. So, um, yeah, I think my biggest milestone right now is definitely this one that I finally passed uh, this exam. And I would like to um, connect that with this, um, yeah, my last LinkedIn post that I posted there because I'm very active on LinkedIn. I think it's a, it's a great, uh, yeah, social media platform for networking and for professionals. And it just, it's not being used the way it should by youngsters like me, like most of the people, like my friends and everyone, uh, they're not using LinkedIn. And I think it's, it's a pity because it's a great way to meet new people and clients as well. But to connect that to my milestone. So last week I posted about uh, finishing this exam and um, yeah, I really didn't expect this much support of people and my post got like over 70,000 views, which I still today cannot believe because I thought, yeah, just upload that I finished it. But yeah, I got so many um, yeah nice messages from people supporting me. So that was, yeah, that was really motivating. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And it's amazing how you really don't change what you do. Yeah. It's just certain topics really hit home and people, you know, are attracted to it because exactly. sometimes, you know, I always look at different individuals that have like viral content, mm -hmm. their content really hasn't changed. And you can see other content that doesn't have as many, maybe yes. a fraction of views, but mm -hmm. it's just something about certain posts that people just really like, and you, you just don't know. So it's no, kind of impressive to have it. Yeah, it really depends. It's just people posting quite often, just posting frequently, and then just one out of 10 or maybe even 100 that just like pops up and goes viral. So it's right. really, yeah, magic of like posting often, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, this one's going to go for, since you already did 70,000, we're going to shoot for at least 100 for this 100,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable, yeah. <laughs> um, what trends have you seen throughout this time, which is kind of unprecedented, we can maybe say a year and a half almost with uh, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And what do you feel is going to continue post pandemic? Like, you know, um, that you've noticed locally or in other areas that you think um, are going to continue even after we finish mm -hmm. with this pandemic? My name is Emma Kosanovic and I'm tuned in. Please like and subscribe, but don't forget to smash that bell for notifications.